One of my favorite questions to ask couples is this. Tell me the story of how you met. It reveals an awful lot about who the couple is. Now, one of my dear friends lost his dad about two weeks ago, and I had the incredible privilege of doing the memorial service. And the day before the memorial service, I met with his widowed wife, Sally, and they had been married, this couple had been married for 54 years, Ron and Sally. And I'll never forget sitting at that table with her and asking the question, tell me about how you and Ron met. And it was one of the best stories I had ever heard on how a couple met. So Ron was at a dance and they were in high school and he sent one of his best friends to ask Sally if she would dance with him. And her response is priceless. She said, I'll absolutely dance with him and no, I'm going to marry him. And I said to Sally, you really, you said that? And she goes, I absolutely did. And lo and behold, they were married and 54 years later, they were still married. What a wonderful story. I wish I could tell you that my wife and I had a more dramatic story like that when we first met, but we don't. However, God brought us together and introduced us in college. We were both studying the same major in undergrad at Oral Roberts University, and our classes overlapped a bit. And I'll never forget when we first really begun having conversations. It was a evening during the week and I get this phone call and Tara had called me asking me for help with homework in the class. And if you know me at all, you know that I am not the guy people called in college to get help with homework. And that's how our journey began. And that brings us to the 24th chapter of Genesis. Now, Genesis 24 is the love story of Rebecca and Isaac. Isaac being the promised son of Abraham. And if this was a movie, if chapter 24 of Genesis was a movie, it would be similar to the movie The Notebook. As it's the longest chapter in the whole book of Genesis. And it tells the remarkable and romantic story of how God brought them together in marriage for his purpose. Now, unlike most of today's marriages, these two young people, Rebecca and Isaac, had never even met. They had no clue of what the other person was like or even what they looked like for that matter. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine marrying someone you didn't know and you had never even seen? They were going into marriage absolutely blind. In fact, if you compared this love story to a TV show, it would be called Married at First Sight, where couples agree to blind arranged marriages and then have it filmed on national television and made into a reality show. Yes, that actually exists and is a real thing. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint our female congregants or female viewing audience today, but today's message is not on romance or love stories, though it does include one. This incredible story, this remarkable written history shows God's continued faithfulness to Abraham and it reveals God's faithfulness to us and to all of humanity. It should remind us today that God invites all of us to a wedding feast one day in heaven. And though just like marriage, the choice to say yes lies with us. No matter your faults, no matter your failures, no matter your fears, 
I believe the Spirit of God today will ask each and every one of us this question. The same question that was asked of the bride, Rebecca, in this story. And that question is this. Are you willing to go with this man? Today's message, it's titled, From Wells to Weddings. Father, I thank you for this incredible privilege and opportunity that we have to gather, though really different and though done digitally. It's a privilege. And I know that your spirit is here in this empty sanctuary at this moment. And your spirit is there in the living room or the car or the office or wherever the person watching this right now may be. And I pray that that same spirit that is here now and here with those watching would come alive in us, would open our ears to hear and our eyes to see your word that is living and alive. Let it be so in your name. Amen. I hope that you did your homework this week. If you received and watched my weekly update video, I asked you to read chapter Genesis 24, and I hope you did that. Just in case you didn't, and to make sure that we're all on the same page, I'm not going to read the entire chapter because, as I mentioned, it is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. But I want to give you the overview of what it is because it's so important for today. So you'll remember last week, Pastor Blaine talked about the death of Sarah. So Sarah is gone and the Bible says that Abraham was now a very old man. It's him and Isaac. And chapter 24 reveals to us that one day Abraham, in looking for a bride for Isaac, he calls his most faithful and his oldest servant. And he tells his servant, I want you to return to my homeland, Abraham's homeland, because Isaac cannot marry someone from this land, from the land of Canaan. He needs to keep the family line pure. And so Abraham sends his servant. He makes his servant make a covenant and a commitment that he'll, he'll go back and he'll get an heir for Isaac. And the servant says, well, what if I can't find someone? Or what if the girl I find is not willing to come here? Should I take Isaac back? And Abraham says, absolutely not. You shall never take Isaac back to my homeland. And he says, God will go before you. His angels will go before you. And so with that, the servant leaves. And the Bible says he takes 10 camels with him and he goes to a well. So he gets to Abraham's homeland and he finds out that this particular town is where Abraham's brother lives. And he goes up to a well and he prays. This servant of Abraham prays to God for success. And he challenges God even, and he says, God, I'm here to find a bride for my master's son, Isaac. And here's what I'd like you to do. If a woman would come out and come to the well, I'm asking that she would ask me for a drink. But even beyond that, I'll know that she's the one you've called to be Isaac's wife. If she not only offers me a drink of water, but she also offers a drink to camels to his camels. So he prays, and I love this. The Bible says that before he had even finished praying, he saw a young, beautiful woman named Rebecca coming to the well. And so here the servant approaches her, and sure enough, like he just prayed, Rebecca offers him a drink. And then she surprises him by saying, I will also 
give water to your camels. Now, we don't really think much of this. Sometimes we read past this, but here's what you have to realize. I have been told, I haven't researched this totally yet, but I've been told that a camel can drink up to 22 gallons of water at one time after a long journey. There were 10 camels and they had just come on a long journey. And if you think about Rebecca carrying a, a vessel of water, it maybe held, what, three to four gallons of water? So think about what the servant of Abraham was asking. And think about what Rebecca was saying when she offered not only this servant of Abraham a drink of water, but also the 10 camels. Can you imagine how long and how much work that would have been? But she does it. And I love it in the story that the servant recognizes and he gives thanks and praise to God. So the servant and Rebecca have this conversation and she tells them that her family is there and he asks, would they be able to receive us? And when she says yes, the servant presents Rebecca with wedding jewelry, with gold jewelry. And they head back to Abraham's brother Laban's house where Rebecca is from. And in the midst of that, all of a sudden, the servant goes through the whole story. He tells what Abraham told him and tells him about his travel and how he prayed and goes through everything. And Laban responds by saying, well, this is obviously a sign from God. And the servant says, so can I take that as a yes, that you will give your daughter Rebecca to be the bride to Isaac? And he says, absolutely. Well, then Isaac is is waiting with Abraham and this servant wakes up the next morning and says, he's ready to go. He wants to leave now. And Laban is saying, well, wait a a second. You just got here. We'd like to spend at least 10 more days with our daughter. Let her have some time saying goodbye to friends and family. And the servant won't have it. He's ready to get back to Isaac and to Abraham. And then if you will look with me, Genesis chapter 24, this verse 58, they call Rebecca in and and they say to her, are you willing to go with this man? They asked her. And her reply was, yes, I will go. Imagine this for Rebecca, how she must have been feeling, what she must have been thinking. She had no idea who Isaac was. She had no idea of his interests, his personality, what his family was like, and surely even his looks. She knew hardly anything about this son of Abraham and was being asked to move nearly 400 miles south to the foreign land of Canaan and become Isaac's bride. On top of that, this servant of Abraham is wanting to leave immediately, first thing in the morning. No time to say goodbye to friends. No time to enjoy her last few days with family. No time to ask more questions about this guy, Isaac, just to be sure he's really the one. No, when the question is asked, are you willing to go with this man? Rebecca simply replies, yes, I will go. Now, the Old Testament is full of stories that foreshadow the New Testament. There are many passages in the Old Testament that 
point to Jesus Christ or they foreshadow to Jesus Christ of the New Testament. It's a connection between the old and the new that ignites and unites both covenants to God's people. Let me give you some examples by what I mean. Exodus and the story of the Passover lamb, it's lamb, it shows us Christ is the sacrificial lamb given to us. Leviticus and the high priests, as they make sacrifices for the people, they reveal that Christ has become our high priest, making the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins. In the book of Ruth, Boaz is seen as the kinsman redeemer who is a picture of Jesus. David, the anointed one, pictures Jesus, and Jesus is described in the New Testament as the son of David. In the book of Ezra, Ezra depicts Jesus as as the Lord of our fathers. Esther offers a picture of Christ interceding for his people. Isaiah prophesies in details the glorious birth of Jesus. Job reveals that he will be acquainted with sorrows. Amos tells us that Jesus is the judge above all nations. Obadiah warns of the coming eternal kingdom. Jonah, in the familiar passage of him being in the belly of a whale, offers a picture of Jesus being dead for three days and then coming back to life. And lastly, Zechariah is the prophet who speaks of Jesus riding on a colt. The entire Old Testament points towards Jesus as Savior. And if we miss that, we've potentially missed the entire point of Scripture. So much like all of these other Old Testament pictures that I just painted that point to Jesus in the New Testament, Genesis 24 and this story of Rebecca and Isaac do the same thing. Here, understand this, that Abraham is a picture of God the Father desiring a bride for his son. The servant is a picture of the Holy Spirit actively searching praying, leading, and giving gifts for the journey. Isaac is a picture of Jesus awaiting the arrival of his beloved to take into his home and to love. And finally, Rebekah is a picture of you and I. It is a picture of the church chosen, blessed, helped in traveling, journeying to a new home. And while this story points forward to Jesus of the New Testament, Jesus himself actually has an encounter with a woman at the well that points back to the Old Testament. Here we have two women, Rebecca and a woman at the well, with very different backgrounds, having an encounter with the living God at a well. So in John 4, Jesus travels to a well, not in the promised land, Canaan, but rather to Samaria. And the Jews in Jesus's day typically did not go to Samaria, nor did they strike up conversations with Samaritans. And instead of Jesus going to this well and finding a beautiful, pure, or innocent woman, he finds an adulterous woman, a woman polar opposite of someone like Rebecca. Here, Jesus, though, makes the same request of her that the servant made of Rebecca, give me a drink. The two end up, Jesus and the Samaritan woman, end up having a theological conversation about geology. 
as the Genesis story draws a distinction between Abraham's homeland and the land of Canaan, the promised land, this adulterous woman draws a distinction between her land in Samaria and Jerusalem. She wanted to know if her people were wrong to worship God in her land of Samaria rather than worshiping God in Jerusalem. And Jesus' answer to her reveals that geography is not the issue, but rather belief in him. So today, this leads me to ask you this question. Why did Jesus orchestrate this situation to illustrate the story of the servant and Rebecca in Genesis 24? First, it is to show us That just as God did everything to set up the marriage that would preserve his promise and provide his people in Rebecca, and that he has done everything to set up a final marriage between us and him that would accomplish his promise once and for all in Jesus. Through Jesus's life, his death, and his resurrection, he became the living embodiment of the bridegroom and a faithful husband willing to lay down his life for the ones that he loved. The Apostle Apostle Paul writes it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you As a pure bride to one husband, Christ. He writes that, I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ, to the church in Corinth. And as followers of Christ Jesus and the bride of Christ, you and I, we await his return and the joyous wedding celebration. John in the book of Revelation writes about this when he says, Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride, you and I, the church, has prepared herself. So again I ask, why did Jesus, why else did Jesus orchestrate the situation to illustrate this story of the servant and Rebecca. Here's the second reason. Secondly, it is also to show us that geographical distance and moral distance, we can still approach God through Jesus. Those who are geographically distant and those who are morally distant, they can still come to God through Jesus Christ. This story reveals to us that God does not only invite the beautiful, the pure, the included and obedient people like Rebecca into his family. But today he also invites the defiled, the outcast and the disobedient people like the woman at the well and people like you and me. Today, you may be geographically distant. You may be home watching online or you may feel a thousand miles away from God in a distant and far off place. You may not think of yourself as attractive or beautiful, but rather beaten up and worn from years of self-inflicted pain and mistakes. You may be outcast, you may feel forgotten, you may be neglected, and the enemy may 
have been whispering in your ear for years or months or days that you are unworthy, you are unwanted, you are unlovable and alone. You may be ready to throw in the towel and your heart is saying, I simply have had enough. Hear me today when I tell you that the Spirit of God is asking you the same question he asked Rebecca thousands of years ago. And that question is, are you willing to go with this man? The Father is just waiting for you to respond in the same manner of Rebecca in saying, yes, I will go. One of my favorite stories of Jesus in the Gospels is found in Mark chapter 2. I talked about this a couple weeks ago when Jesus called Matthew the tax collector. You remember he called the tax collector and he called Simon the zealot and they were on polar opposites of the political spectrum. And this is one of those stories of him calling Matthew. Now in Mark, his name was Levi. Jesus calls Levi Matthew, the tax collector. And he says, Matthew, come and follow me. And Matthew does. Well, then this is also what Matthew does. Matthew gets all of his other friends and the Bible describes them as, as Matthew inviting other dis- <laughs> disreputable sinners. And even in parentheses in your Bible there, at least in mine, it says there were many people, there were many disreputable sinners of this kind who followed Jesus. I love that line. There were disreputable people who followed Jesus. But then in verse 16, the Bible says, When the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, when they saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, these disreputable people, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Jesus says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The bottom line, Jesus came for disreputable people. Jesus came for those who were sick. Jesus came for those who were sinners. Jesus came for those with a messed up past in the midst of mistake. He didn't come for just the healthy and righteous. No, he came for the sinners. He came for the unrighteous. Even the Apostle Paul, the man who wrote nearly 30% of the New Testament, a man who made a living killing Christians before God knocked him off his horse and, and revealed himself to him. The Apostle Paul says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Paul says this, Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he speaks of himself and he says, I am the worst of them all. Really? The apostle Paul identifies himself as the worst of them all? The man who wrote nearly 30% of the New Testament? Well, today this question is still being asked. Are you willing to go with this man? He's not just calling the bold and the beautiful. He's not just calling the Rebecca's of the world. He's calling the disreputable. He's calling the messed up. He's calling those like the woman at the well who had five husbands. He's calling the tax collectors like Matthew. Jesus is still moving people today from wells to weddings. Jesus is still having encounters of living water 
at wells. For some, those that are watching this, I believe with all my heart and I have been praying for this moment because I believe that today is your well to wedding moment. Jesus is ready to meet you today and to offer you a drink, but this water will quench the thirst of your soul and it offers you a seat at the table for the wedding feast one day to come in heaven. I want to speak to you, those who are watching online, you may be watching this live on the online platform, maybe early Sunday morning or Sunday night. You may be watching this on Facebook or the app, however it is. Jesus would ask you, are you willing to go with this man? And if your heart has been tugged, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that it's not man, it's not preachers, it's not me, it's not guilt. It is the Father who draws all people unto him. And if you feel the Spirit asking you that question, are you willing to go to this man? I, 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 I pray that your response is, yes, I will go. So what I'd like to do is to give you a moment. If you've never committed your life to Christ, much like Rebecca the spirit who represents the servant in Genesis 24. God wants to take you on a journey today. You're not joining this church. You're joining the kingdom of God, the global church. So I want to give you a moment and I'm going to pray for you. And as we do this, I know that it's online. We're we're, we're not in person here. If you're watching online, they're going to put a, they're going to put a little button up in the comment section that says, did you receive Christ today? And I'm going to ask that you click that because we have prayer people right now that would follow up with you. If you're watching it at home, when this is all said and done or the first of the week, I'd ask that you call the church or email the church and reach out to us and say, hey, I've committed my my life to Christ or I want to commit my life to Christ. You're committing yourself to a journey. Rebecca's Her journey wasn't done when she said, yes, I will go. There were 400 miles that she had to travel to get to Isaac. There was a long journey that she couldn't see ahead. And that's you. So would you join with me in prayer today? Heavenly Father, I believe with all of my heart that there are those watching, maybe some that you they, they, they have no idea why they tuned in, tuned in. Maybe they stumbled across this. They thought it was an accident, but it wasn't. It was a divine appointment by your spirit. And it wasn't me. It wasn't guilt. It was your word coming alive. I believe you are asking them, will you go with this man? And I pray for those who are bold enough to say, yes, I will go in their heart. That right now in this moment, they will identify and say, God, I come to you with all my flaws. I'm not like this beautiful and bold and perfect bride, Rebecca. I'm more like this adulterous woman at the well. I'm dirty. I've got mistakes in a past. And today I lay it all at your feet. I want this living water that you offer. And I want you to move me from a well to a wedding. And if that's you, just in your own heart, maybe in your own breath, I want you to say, yes, I will go. And if you've said that in your heart, right now you are a part of the family of God. And one day you will join 
in heaven. The wedding feast, your spot is reserved in heaven. Now here's the thing. The Spirit is also asking the same question to the rest of us. Some of you have said, yes, I will go years ago, but you're still living in Samaria. Unlike Rebecca, who was willing to walk away from everything that was comfortable, everything that was familiar, you're still holding on to your previous life. Let me remind you today that Jesus said, calling to the crowd to join his disciples, say that if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. The Spirit still asks to the new believer and to the old. Are you willing to go with this man? Some of you have been hanging on. Like Laban, Abraham's brother. You say, just give me 10 more days. Let me spend a little more time. And our heart needs to be, I'm ready to go right now. We give everything up. We lay it all, lay it all behind. And we travel and we journey with Christ. Growing up, my dad used to listen to Paul Harvey. And if you know Paul Harvey at all, there was a famous line that he always said. and said, now the rest of the story. So we can't conclude today without telling you the rest of this romantic story. Genesis 24 verse 63 says that one evening he was walking. This is Isaac. Isaac, he was walking and he was meditating in the fields. And he looked up. And he saw the camels coming. When Rebecca looked up and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted from her camel. Who is that man walking through the fields to meet us? She asked the servant. And he replied, it is my master. So Rebecca covered her face, covered her face with a veil. Then the servant told Isaac everything that he had done. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent and she became his wife. He loved her deeply. and She was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother. Let me pray for us today as we close. Heavenly Father, today I believe that our family, your family, the kingdom of God, it got bigger. You had to make the table a little bigger today. You had to add some extra seats for one day when we join you in heaven for this great feast, this wedding feast of the Lamb. And I rejoice with the angels who are singing right now because there are new believers. There are new names written in the Lamb's book of life. I pray for them because they are starting a journey. A journey that will be difficult. A time, a journey that they will have to learn how to trust in you and have faith in you. I pray the blood of Jesus over them. I pray that you would speak to their hearts. That as they read your word and as they cry out to you in prayer. That you would speak to them. I pray they would get connected to a church. They would get connected to other believers and in a community of faith. And know that they're not walking alone. They're walking together. And Father, I pray for those that are watching this that have been Christ followers for decades. 
And maybe they had one foot in, they had one foot out, they had one foot in Samaria and one foot in the land of Canaan. And today you're reminding them because you're still asking the question, will you go with this man? Convict our hearts and let us respond as Rebecca did and say, yes, I will go and I will let go of everything and I'll follow you. Let it be so in your name. What a beautiful story for Rebecca and Isaac. What a beautiful story for us.